Hello, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is The Ziegler Show, where our goal is to inspire your true performance. In this episode, fight for deep work blocks. Are you able to concentrate, to focus, to think critically and creatively? In episode 767, I brought you John Mark Comer, and we discussed the profound message in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. An issue we discussed was the scattered attention caused by the massive distractions of today's world. I mean, what with our electronic devices and social media, Our attention spans are just at an all-time low. Uh, The consequences are, as John Mark cites, we're chipping away at our capacity for concentration and contemplation. Well, this is our habit show, and I walk through the seven spokes on the Ziegler Wheel of Life with John Mark. In the career spoke, he said a priority is fighting for deep work blocks. I mean, he's a pastor and, and a writer, so that may not come as a big shock to you, but my question for all of us is who does not need deep work blocks or just deep blocks of time in general, deep time to be at peace or to think critically and creatively, uh, to foster hope. How much would our life benefit to stop and think deeply about any aspect of it at all? Well, this and more is coming in this show and you can find John Mark's book. Again, it's the ruthless elimination of hurry at John Mark Comer, C-O-M-E-R.com, or of course, wherever you buy books. Uh, Here are some great products and services, and then we're going to jump into the show. All right, John. So we're going to run through these spokes with you. I want to see what does the non-hurried guy do for his habits. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll talk through that. Number one is uh, just the physical and nutritional side of your life. Oh yeah. So is it like one habit for each thing or or what? Well, no, Um, no, no, no. As much as you do, just the things that you do to be well. So on the physical, for your physical wellness, you know, what do you do? Exercise, nutrition, whatever. No, give us the gamut. Yeah. Um, so a couple of core like daily disciplines for me. One is a minimum of eight hours sleep. So I'm a big believer that uh, we don't sleep enough. Yeah. So I try for eight and a half hours, if at all possible. Nine is ideal, but kind of a minimum of eight kind of thing. Um, two is I practice intermittent fasting most days. So I rarely eat before noon and then at least one day a week don't eat until dinner time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then normally lunch for me is like just a green drink, like banana, spinach, you know, some almond butter kind of thing, like very, very simple. And, uh, and then don't really eat much until uh, family dinner at night. And then um, daily exercise, some kind of form of cardiovascular exercise. I've been a long time runner. We just got a Peloton, which has been like the most fun I've had in years. I actually bought it for my mm-hmm. wife and we're, our, none of our kids are athletic. So we're trying to figure out, we live in the city, like how do you get activity out of your kids? So we got, I got it kind of for my wife and my kids thinking I would not really use it because I'm a runner and I'm so in love with it right now. So uh, I'm kind of alternating back and forth now yeah. between spinning and running I'll training, start training for a marathon here in just a couple of weeks. So those are some of my kind of sleep, lots of water, not eating in the mornings, uh, you know, shoot for 45 minutes to an hour every day of cardiovascular exercise if I can. Yeah. I just stayed at a fancy hotel with my wife and they had a row of Peloton bikes and yes. I had never done it. They had a guest login. Yeah. So fun. Yeah. It was, it's so fun. And I'm not that guy. Like I've never been drawn into spin classes. I'm introverted. So I love to like go run in the woods yep. and 
listen to a pod. That's my, I don't have, I don't have a commute. So that's my time to maybe listen to a podcast or just to pray or just to kind of think, work on my coming sermon in my mind's eye. Um, but I love it. It's yeah. so fun. Yeah. Well, if anybody out there hears this and has a connection there, I keep wanting to, I, I want to get one. I want them to advertise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're an influencer. You should be able to get a hook I, up I, something. I, I, I usually do anywhere I want to get to it. Peloton seems untouchable. So, yes. all right. Well, there's their ad for free anyways. Um, all right. Next spoke is family, friends, but really just relationships. The things that you do to keep the relationship solid in your life, whether that's your immediate family, whether that's, you know, uh, friends and those close relationships you, you want to nurture. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, like most people, my relationships kind of exist in layers. So I'm a father uh, with a, a lovely wife and three kids. So we do a lot together as a family. We're big believers in family dinner. So we'll eat, you know, a home cooked meal together, probably four nights a week kind of thing and um, Sabbath together and family night together. So that's really key for us to sit around the table most nights and, uh, and eat together and read a little chapter out of scripture together after maybe pray. Um, then, you know, once a week we do a meal with that kind of next layer out of a little community of about 15 people that we kind of do life with and follow Jesus with and live in the same basic part of town and go to church together with. And these are kind of people that we're um, not biologically related to, though we've had some siblings and stuff in there, but uh, that we're spiritually committed to that kind of, this is like our closest community. These are the people that are there for us. And one group just went through tragedy last week and lost a child. And so right now Mm. we're all bringing meals and, you know, helping plan the memorial and meeting at odd hours to pray and drink coffee together and grieve together and process together. And so that's like when that, the rubber really meets the road, you know, in good times and in bad and it's multi-generational. And so that's really a gift. And then um, I have a, a wonderful family, siblings, parents. They don't all live in town, so we don't get to see each other like every week or kind of anything like that. But we'll have regular rhythms of twice a year. We'll get together for Christmas, and then we'll spend a week together in the summer for like a short kind of vacation. And then I have a group of about uh, 15 of my best friends who all live in other cities or mostly pastors of other churches. And we spend a week together every spring. We go to this house in California. It's usually the highlight of my year. And we'll spend about four days together. Just it's all guys. And we get together literally every single year. And we pray for each other. We eat dinner together. We share best practices. We learn from each other. Um, we exercise together, and that group of like peers that are really my best friends um, has played an enormous role in my life. So this is some kind of my rhythms around yeah. relational stuff. Ah, it's incredible. Three third spoke is mental, uh, just the mental side of keeping yourself well and sharp and keeping your mental edge. What are the things you do? Obviously, not hurrying is top yes, of the list. That's a but, big one. But keep going. <laughs> uh, a couple big things for me would be morning quiet. Yeah. Um, like I'm really, I'm not an active in the morning kind of guy. Um, so I really like to have a chunk of time in the morning that are, that's quiet and alone and before the house is up and where I can pray and think and process and feel whether I'm feeling anxiety or anger or hurt or excitement or dreams, um, kind of feel before God and and with my own soul. So that kind of having like a, a daily quiet time is really key for my mental hygiene. 
Um, another thing that's really key for me is I think Andy Crouch coined this language, but we parent our phones, mm -hmm. meaning I turn my phone in the same way that a parent of younger kids, your kids go to bed before you go to bed and get up after you get up. That's kind of healthy parenting 101, at least for when they're younger. And so I think the same is true for technology. So my phone goes away at uh, 8.30 most nights, put it in a, literally in the laundry room closet, plugged into a charger, out of sight, out of mind. And then I don't touch it till the following morning um, after I've had quiet. So there's something like 93% of Americans sleep next to their phone mm -hmm. and 76, most people use it as, as an alarm clock now, and 76% of them um, look at it first thing upon waking. And I literally cannot imagine a worse thing for your mental health and hygiene than starting your day with reading the news and the outrage of that day and some new crisis or tragedy and angry tweet and an email from your boss and a text message of something you forgot and an advertisement for something you don't have. I just, I literally can't imagine the impact of that on neural pathways, yeah. you know? And neuroscientists talk about neurogenesis and how two of the most important times for mental health are what you think about right before you go to bed and what you think about right when you wake up and all the generative work. And I'm not a scientist. I don't even understand all of it, but all of the good work that's happening in your nervous system when you're sleeping. So I really guard and protect those times kind of before bed and when I first wake up and kind of mental health there, you know, and then relational stuff. So having a, a therapist that I see on a regular basis, having regular deep, vulnerable conversations with my wife. Uh, there's a guy in my home community. We do dinner together as a community once a week, but I'll see him, you know, several days a week. We'll work out together or get together and confess sin to each other, talk honestly, emotionally. There's a real kind of a mental and emotional cleanse that comes through relationship, yeah. not just through time in the quiet or meditation, but really of kind of processing stuff with, with healthy, wise people. Financials next, John Mark. What do you do in the financial area of your life to keep you where you want to be? Yeah, I mean, I redo my budget every year. I actually do it with a friend for accountability. And uh, we have some little rules in place, like we can't spend over $1,000 on a one-off purchase without approval from this little group of people that I do my budget with, very small group. Um, uh, and so that's a, that's a good financial kind of check. Anytime I want to spend more than a thousand dollars, I know I have to have a conversation with people about yeah, it, yeah. you know, that'll, that'll kind of maybe that'll, that'll guard against the impulse buy or whatever, you know? So that's healthy. Um, we're big believers in the idea of a graduated tithe, meaning the more that you make, the more you give. So starting with 10%, and then as our income has gone up, we've given a higher and higher percentage. And it'll change a little bit year to year, but this year we're really um, giving as aggressively as we possibly can toward generosity. And then um, obviously we try to we try to live on 70%, you know, or try to live well below our means if at all possible and be giving ample money to retirement and savings and paying off our mortgage, stuff like that. The, the budget and being accountable to your friend. I, I read that in the book and my, was that in the simplicity section? Uh, might've been, I don't remember writing that in the book, but I, maybe that's in the book. I read it somewhere and, and it just, you know, that, the concept, it got us thinking again, just about the things that we buy and how much they own us. And my family yes. wants an distract R us and yeah. hurry us. My family wants an RV again. We've yes. gone through those and 
I've been so happy to not have one and have to mess with it. And there's <laughs> a lot of work, huh? A lot of work, but any, any purchase. So we've been in a purging uh, standpoint yes. of just, do we need to buy that other thing? So, thing. And I just make the case that more stuff equals less time. Yeah. So for every thing yeah. that you allow into your life and your lifestyle, you're paying not just money for it. You're actually paying time and energy and attention for it too. Yeah. And it might be a good, you know, a motorcycle or an RV or a whatever might be a great use of your money or Peloton or it might not. And so you just have to think about the whole cost of something, not just the upfront yeah. cost, but what is this actually costing? That's you? right. You talked about a motorcycle because I, I have related it to my wife on some things that I didn't want to get, though. Last year, I got a, a new mountain bike and I do. I put time into it. I, I adore it. It's my, my soul food and I do races and stuff and it takes time. That's great. Wonderful. Part, yeah. Part of my personal thing. But. You know, there's other things that, yeah, I'm not willing to, you know, the budget thing is so funny because I I just kind of assume that everybody has a budget and then I'm learning that like so many people don't. And then what I'm learning, even my own life is it's one thing to have a budget. It's another thing to stay on your budget. Yeah. And especially in the digital age where money is all just numbers and plastic credit cards and it's kind of harder to keep track of your money. So we're, you know, we're looking into some new technological platforms and trying to figure out like, how do we not just have a budget, which we've done really good with, but how do we actually stick to our budget? Yeah. And you know what I mean? Especially the older you get, you run out of coffee money and you're like, yeah, but I really want a coffee. You know what I mean? You just go I, buy it. But I do, those I little do. things add up by the end of the month. Oh you're like, gosh. where did all our savings go? No, you know? I see it. It's that Starbucks automatic reload and it's oh, 50 it's bucks the, and 30 bucks and whatever. All these little, all these little things, you know, that, yes. that add up. Yes, it does. All right. Well, fifth spoke here is spiritual. And you talked about that in your morning, you know, quiet time, but tell us more about their, your spiritual habits. Yeah. I mean, I think the two most important rhythms at an individual, you know, well, it's hard to say for sure. Morning prayer. Like I begin every morning, not just in the quiet with myself, but in the quiet with God and in prayer. And when I say prayer, I don't just mean some church traditions, particularly the one I came up in, in kind of evangelical Protestant culture prayer, you know, to a lot of people, all that means is asking God for things. Right or praying for God to do things in the world, you know, what's called intercessory prayer, which is one beautiful and vital category of prayer. But people don't realize prayer is way broader than that. Prayer is just relationship to God. And there are some types of prayer, like intercessory prayer, that feel like working, and other types of prayer that feel far more like resting or contemplation or coming to center yourself in God as he centers himself in you. And this is what Jesus meant, I think, by abiding, you know, which literally means to make your home in order to come to rest in God. So this type of prayer where you just, you make your home in God and you come to rest in God as he comes to rest in you and makes his home in you or abides in you, as Jesus said. So for me, morning prayer, um, which is really about kind of reading scripture, slowly, meditatively, listening to God, coming to quiet, just kind of silently loving God and less more than it is for asking God to do things. So there's a little bit of that. That is a core spiritual discipline or practice in my life. Sabbath is another, which again, Sabbath for us is not just a day off and it's not just church on Sunday. It's a whole day kind of set aside just to let our soul come back awake to God and each other. Um, that weekly kind of meal of the bread and the wine with my community. We celebrate the Lord's Supper in our church tradition as a full meal with our community. And that's that's core for me, just to be together in relationship with other people. So those, there's many others, but those three have kind of 
you know, at, at the more corporate level or communal level, church on Sunday or worship on Sunday, and then a meal with my community. And then at the more kind of private or individual level, morning prayer and Sabbath. Those are kind of four like anchor points for my spiritual life. I love that line, letting our soul come back awake. Um, yeah. It's beautiful. You are listening to The Ziegler Show, and this is our Habits episode with John Mark Comer, author of The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Next, I ask him about his career, and this is where he discusses what I led off with, uh, his pursuit of deep work blocks. We'll get right back to it after I share some great products and services with you. Six is career. Uh, the career spoke. And you talked about that in the book, of course, going from the church responsibilities that were off the charts to minimizing that. But of course, since then, you've written a book and you've got other things happening. So what are you doing career-wise to keep it where you want it to be? Yeah, I mean, I think just real simply, just really fighting as hard as I possibly can for what, again, Cal Newport calls deep work blocks. And so, for example, you know, I said I parent my phone. What I'm doing this year, I've been doing it for several months now consistently, is I've been, so, so for a long time, I've been really diligent around email. I went from doing email three times a week to two times a week, to now I'm actually just doing email once a week, um, zero, inbox to inbox zero once a week. And again, that's a luxury I can take with my assistant and the, the job that I have. Tons of people don't have that luxury. But I've recently tried um, applying some of the same logic to text message. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing like text message bundling where I try to sit down and do all my text messages twice a day at 11 a.m. and around 5 p.m. or whatever the end of my work day is, 5, 6, 7, somewhere in there. And um, that has dramatically cut back on my digital distraction. So mm -hmm. most days what I'll do, like this morning, is I'll get up early, I'll make coffee, I'll pray for a while, and then I read for an hour every day, if at all possible, um, something related to work. And then I'll do deep work until 11 o'clock or noon, somewhere in there. And my phone is literally in another room. I have a little home office. My phone is in another room. And I am like until at least 11 or noon, pretty much every day, not every day, but pretty much every day, I, I don't exist to the public world. I don't exist to the digital world. I don't exist to my coworkers. I am head down. And that is some of the most productive and best work I do all week long. And then the afternoons can be like, then I'll go exercise. And then the afternoons I can go to meetings and I can have conversations and I can do email and I can do social media stuff I have to do. That kind of more busy work kind yeah. of stuff or relational work, which is great later in the day. But then kind of giving that first chunk of every day to my primary work as a teacher, um, that that is a, a real key investment of my time and resources. Yeah. Last one is personal, uh, meaning just do, what do you do for you? What do you do for John Mark? This is, this is fun. This is play. This can be self-care, um, but the things that just uh, make you come alive a little. Oh, that's great. Um, well, a new thing, this is a surprising thing. To, so one of the things with my personality is I can be really kind of cognitive and kind of stuck in my inner introverted headspace world. So I'm, I'm really, I think, a part of the journey for me in the second half of life is trying to kind of integrate more to my body hmm. and to my emotions and learn to be more present um, to the moment, present to my body, present to 
the mundane and the ordinary and the parochial, you know, not everything has to be intellectual and fascinating and sophisticated and stimulating all the time. And so I'm trying to just, it's, that's, it's very, for a lot of people, this just comes naturally for me, it comes not at all that way. So I'm, I'm just trying to find ways to kind of integrate more to my body and in the moment. So like one thing I've taken to doing, we bought a, we got a dog almost two years ago now, year and a half ago, and I was an anti-dog person, like neat freak, don't want a dog, no desire for dogs. Long story, bought one for our kids. It's a very long story. Anyway, I have just fallen in love with her, and we live right on the edge of – we live right in the city in Portland, but it's Portland is built up against – Forest Park, which you've been to Portland, I don't know if you remember it, but it's a 5,000 acre forest mm. that's protected land that literally abuts downtown. So you go from right downtown, six story apartment buildings, right to forest. And it's beautiful. It's 500 miles of trails. And so we live kind of right off downtown up against it, which is an incredible gift. And so I'll just take her walking in the woods. And she's on cloud nine. I mean, like just watching a dog running around in the woods, she's just embodied happiness, you know? <laughs> and it's so good for me because it's not intellectual. If I'm up for it, I can think and pray, but I can also just be present and watch my dog run around with a silly grin on her face and be embodied, you know? So yeah, that's been a, a real a, a kind of embodied life-giving practice. And then I'm a reader. I love to read. I read fiction every night before bed. I read poetry. I read spiritual devotional stuff. I read philosophy. And I do that for fun. I do it for work every morning, but I do it on my day off and my Sabbath and at nights. I just, I love the life of the mind and I love the yeah. literary life. So that's a, a real life-giving thing for me. Well, that's interesting. So folks, you may, if you hear that back in show 763, which I actually just recorded today, but whenever it publishes, talked about that, that I've gotten in the habit of reading a fiction book at night. I so look, it helps me look forward to going to bed, which helps get into bed on time. Yes. And I enjoy that story. Of course, when I open it up, I get, you know, not very many pages in and then I'm, yeah. I'm asleep. Even if it's just a couple. And I used to be an insomniac. I was a oh. horrible sleeper. I didn't read, I grew up reading fiction and stopped for 20 years because yeah. I thought it was a waste of time. Yeah. And I have just, again, come full circle. And now I sleep like a baby. Fiction is enriching my life yeah. and my soul and my view of the world. And yeah. yeah, again, even if you just read five or 10 pages, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a beautiful kind of way to end the day. Awesome. And thank you for just the behind the scenes look at, uh, at what you're doing, how you're striving to live out the life that you feel called to. Thanks so much, John Mark. Oh, it's such an honor. Thanks for having me on. Well, as always, just great behind the scenes sharing. And this was with John Mark Comer. Again, you can find his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry at johnmarkcomer.com or wherever you buy books. Coming up in episode 772, the positive and negatives in your life from the coronavirus. Uh, we're in an unprecedented global crisis with this coronavirus. Nearly every American and really human is being impacted. So I asked this short question on Facebook. Would you share a positive and a negative regarding how COVID-19 is affecting your life right now? Well, in just over 24 hours so far, we have in-depth comments from 74 different people. Uh, there was very little sugar sugarcoating uh, and some distinct threads of things like loss of money as a negative and then downtime and time for relationships as a positive. Really interesting to hear these very real and candid accounts. I think you'll find both confirmation for what you're dealing with and inspiration for some benefits you may better take hold of. Well, till then, folks, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. 